Please be aware this is a trigger warning for infertility discussion, surgery and diagnosis. Everything spoken about is personal experience and opinion. Hello and welcome to season three, episode five of the Gynae Waiting Room. I'm Grace. I'm Brian. And so we have a special guest, Demi. Hi, Demi. Hello. Hi. Oh, gosh. Sorry, guys. Thank got, you. Got the giggles today. When don't we? Um. Anyway, I'm having a cup of tea. I've normally got a glass of wine. So, Demi, if you're happy to, could you tell us a bit about your story, your like journey to diagnosis and kind of where you are at now with your endometriosis? Yeah, so I was diagnosed last year in April. Um, after I sort of fighting with doctors for over eight years. And it's crazy because tomorrow is like marks a month since my surgery. And actually on Wednesday, it's going to be pre-op for my next surgery. So when I got the first one, it was actually meant to be with a specialist. Um, but on the day of surgery, was unwell. So it was two new surgeons who I've never seen before. Um, they had trained under a specialist, but they weren't specialised. So I was really worried. I almost didn't go through the surgery, but... At that point, I had Miguel on, I was already go. So then I woke up, um, but I think the surgery only lasted around an hour. I was told a few different stories right from, because I had never had any surgery before. Mm. So as soon as I opened my eyes from the anaesthetic, it was like they were telling me stuff, and I had prepared a list of questions and stuff on my phone anyway. But I had no idea what was going on. I spoke with the specialist again the next day, and he gave me more of a so I run down, even though mm. he wasn't there himself. Um, but yeah, they said it was stage three. Um, had it on both ovaries. The left one was pretty bad, but I hadn't ended it real well on that one. So that's how I sort of knew already that I would be further on because that was found in a pelvic MRI about two months prior to surgery. Um, it was in my pelvis and on the diaphragm, which again, I wasn't really told the severity of it at the time. Um, I think at that point I didn't really know much about extra pelvic endo um, so since then I've been a lot more research mm-hmm. and stuff um, a lot more appointments but I knew pretty much straight away it wasn't a very successful surgery Yeah. Um, so yeah, here I am now <laughs> I hope this one will offer us more relief and I am more hopeful because thing I've crossed it is going to be with the specialist so yeah, yeah. I think that's like a big thing for anyone I think people seem to think that when you get your diagnosis like you just get your diagnosis yeah and you know everything do you know what I mean but I feel like there's always like almost every day I know I like see or learn something new about my condition and our condition and I think in general like it's still being researched and it there's still stuff that's not known about it I mean some of the biggest things about the condition and not knowing like how how it comes about and how to cure it do you know what I mean so it's like I feel like we all learn new new things all the time and I mean me and Brian have spoken about this before but like prior to diagnosis I would say that I was really naive like I kind of thought that 100%. after my diagnosis I would like it would be much easier to get help <laughs> Because I think when you before it's on paper, like even what was so stressful for me was like 
kind of a bit of a not a sore subject, but obviously I know lots been going on in the endo community lately and about how obviously the only official way to get diagnosed is through surgery. Mm-hmm. Even my pelvic MRI, I remember the specialist said to me, you're on the waiting list, but we'll put you forward for this MRI. There'll probably only be like a slight chance something will show, so I wasn't expecting anything. Mm-hmm. And then I got a letter through the door like three weeks later, and it said, it was basically saying I had endometriosis. He was referring it to it as the disease. Um, obviously, this cyst came through as well, but it was so frustrating at that point because that wasn't enough to have a diagnosis. Mm. It somehow made me feel a bit more relieved knowing something had shown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the exact same. I thought mm. after surgery, once I've got this diagnosis, I'll no longer have to fight with doctors for stronger mm. pain relief. I'll no longer have to... Like, if I need another surgery, it won't be as much of a fight, but I feel like I was just so wrong. Yeah, so, exactly. I feel I like think... it's actually harder since, like, mm. first surgery and get your diagnosis. Like, I don't think I have that experience of getting my second surgery. It's definitely been, like, ten times harder because mm. they're like, well, you've, you've got it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I do, but... What, you just take I it out? Have help. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't... They're more, they're more like, oh, well, there's people that need surgery more that aren't diagnosed. And I'm like... Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? It's... <clears throat> I definitely have had more of a struggle this time but with my surgery like now yeah. having to go private again, like, mine was mine was quite straightforward getting my second surgery like n- not in the sense of how quickly it came about because you know I still had to wait and it, but my first surgery was privately and then my second surgery I basically was going back and forth to gynees but when I did eventually see the a gynee she basically said what do you want and I said I think I need another surgery um and she said are you sure because of fertility and stuff and I was like well either way my fertility is going to be affected so well, either with the end or with the surgery so I'd rather you had a look because I think obviously it's more grown and stuff and she was just like okay fine I'll, I'll give you surgery but the annoying thing was for me is that I specifically asked to, to have my surgery done by a specialist and it wasn't so that's that's the frustrating thing but I think for me like the the naivety I think it's like more with I expected to be able to just go go to the doctors and be like I'm having loads of pain and then be like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna do this but it's more just like well you have a chronic pain condition so you're gonna be in pain like do you know what I mean and also like when you go to A&E and you say to them um I'm having a really bad endometriosis flare up I feel like like a light bulb goes off in their head and they're like endometriosis we're not going to do anything for you like it's literally like that like if you went in and you were like I'm in excruciating pain I've got excruciating tummy pain I can't get out of bed or whatever they'd be like right what can we do for you blah 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 blah. but the minute you say you've got a chronic pain condition they're just like whatever do you know what I mean 100% like if you walk into A&E with abdominal pain like obviously the first thing they think about is appendicitis yeah fine unless you've had your appendix out and you don't have any but anyway um but this, as soon as you mention endo, they're like, well, there's a reason to your pain. Yeah. It's like, they don't care about the actual pain relief, they just care about why you've got pain. Yeah, exactly. So when, they, when, that, when that question's already answered, they're like, well, we can't do anything to you, so... And I think they forget that just like, endometriosis can literally affect our organs. Like, And if we're in that much pain that, you know, we all have this thing where A&E is like the last resort because it's just a nightmare anyway when you go in there. Like, you just know you're going to be popped off. But if we're literally at our last resort of going to A&E and begging for help as it is, 
there's probably something going like we'd be scared because something's going on if it's that bad that we've had to go to A&E there's we're more than likely worried that something's happening and it could be that you've got a really bad infection or something like that like there's more to just having endometriosis the endometriosis affects organs they can get bad UTIs and all that kind of stuff it's like <laughs> what are you gonna do about it do you know what I mean I, the last test I've literally just been through a pop test and I literally did it all at home yeah. there was not one part of me that wanted to step foot in touch with because you go in and they're like mm. yeah you're probably having a cyst that's popping but unless they get it before it's actually probably there's nothing they can do no but they just you just they just make you sit in the waiting room for like 15 hours and it just it's so much worse it's like give me a bed at least to lay on until this place like calms down but like I don't know I think it's like there's just I feel like they forget that there's a lot that endo can affect and if you're going in there it must be really bad so they should probably keep you under observation or whatever but I just don't really feel like they care which is frustrating so comes from people that go in there for ridiculous things Mm. to be fair and they do have they do have to be cautious I guess because people do go in there with a headache or something um Mm -hmm. so when we're going in like we've got this condition and it's bad they're like well you've got that do you know what I mean it's Mm. very frustrating anyway Demi what are your like five things that you hate people saying about endo? Um, probably number one has to be just a bad period. That's mm, just yeah. the classic. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, I think I've actually thought about this before. I mean, I was told by a surgeon about two months ago. At least I don't have cancer. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, not that bad. And you know, I'm such a like. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm so just stupid sometimes that mm-hmm. when he said that, my first reaction was when I put the phone down, I felt a bit shocked, but then my first reaction was to start trying to piece together in my head. Oh, well, maybe he just meant it this way. So my, my thought process was, well, a lot of doctors and specialists, they refer to it as like a slow-grown cancer, like it can invade organs the same, the treatment sort of similar in a way, grows the same. And then I realised, like, no, this just you can't say that. This no, really, like, you can't, no. But I, was, I was still just trying to sit there, like, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but that, I think in a way that was probably number one. But again, that's only happened once. Um, and then the bad period thing. Um, I think that pregnancy can cure it. Mm-hmm. That's another one that he, um, when people say that his pregnancy will cure it, um, yeah, I think I think it's endless to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. I think laziness for me is one that gets me. Like, oh, you're just lazy. Yeah, that's yeah. what like, really gets me because I'm like, Haha, spend a day in my life and then come back to me. Oh, and the one where it's like you must have such a low pain threshold. It's like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> I live with this every day, so you probably have a really high pain threshold. Actually, um, it's so annoying. Yeah, I literally hate it. Or it's like. I'd love to spend a day in bed. Oh, would you? Yeah. <laughs> spend <laughs> spend the next uh, eighty years of your life in bed in crippling pain, and then see how you like it. No. Um, the pregnancy hysterectomy, I think, for me, are up there because, like, I think it's such a touchy subject within the community anyway. Like, mm-hmm. you don't ever say that to someone anyway, but someone that could potentially or has struggled or you know whatever. Yeah, I think with the pregnancy one, like the amount, the thing that shocks me the most is that you actually get doctors saying that to you which makes it even worse Mm. because they 
claim to know everything about this condition but if they for once looked at the symptoms of the condition infertility is one of the biggest ones so saying once you're once you're pregnant and once you've had children you'll be fine well what if I can't have children do you know what I mean it's it's just like you're not being sensitive to the whole thing do you know what I mean and it's not true I know people who have been pregnant and have endometriosis and found out they have endometriosis after their pregnancy and they said that childbirth was less painful than the um endometriosis symptoms that they have so you know it's not it and doesn't then, cure it there's a new season of teen mum out this oh yeah and there's a girl on uh, that has endometriosis yeah i know and i feel like that. yeah i feel like in some of the clips they really portrayed her as endometriosis being her whole personality trait and oh, I, really? I love it that there's like yeah. um awareness out there you know like she's a teen mum she's got a baby but like in the first hell episode all it was was her being in pain and I'm like yeah I get that that's real love portion of your life but then literally on her social media like she was a pageant girl she looks a lot right for the day like weren't they showing any of that but then yeah. all they're showing is her in pain which then is again bad media coverage and endometriosis yeah I don't know if you've seen it yeah I've been meaning to watch it but yeah it's, I do feel like they either on like media and she's and quite stuff. big on the endo community yeah on the on media Instagram. and stuff they either um like portray it as only people over the age of 40 can get it or they portray it as um like i don't know like they basically portray yeah. chronic Ill- they don't really portray con- chronic illnesses the right way at all anyway but yeah it's like a documentary that actually follow real life people with the condition yeah confirmed definitely confirmed condition and um <laughs> because i have to say that now whenever i say like condition like um to actually see what it's like because we do get up and we do go to work and we do have a life but we also have we have to the thing is this is a big thing that we've spoken about before like the worst thing is is that i think people just think if we are going up and getting up and going to work or getting up and going to see our family or our friends that it obviously isn't as bad as we portray it to be but at the end of the day we have to get up and work <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's so it's so hard like we have to get up and go to work and we have to get out of the house because it's so mentally draining having a chronic condition and then locking yourself away just makes it a hundred times worse like as much as there's times that I isolate myself a lot and just lie in bed and wait for things to ease up it's just not healthy at all for your mind I always feel like when I come out of a flare-up or when just before I just before a flare-up and like just after a flare-up I am a miserable person like I am so miserable like mentally I can't deal with it I can agree with that one I'm literally like a zombie and um I just think you're grumpy you're just grumpy yeah you're just literally you just feel like exhausted and like you just don't want to talk to anyone but like the minute that like you get a FaceTime or like someone comes over to see you or like your mum brings you a cup of tea and you just get to have like one conversation with somebody. It literally just does make things that little bit easier, a little bit easier. So obviously if our listeners don't know, you're engaged, aren't you, Demi, if I got that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there things that like your partner does for you that like he knows when you're flaring up or like is there things that he does when you are flaring up, you like mean the world to you like doesn't have to make big things, but like maybe the little things. Yeah, definitely. Like even little things, I'd say, like filling me hot water bottle up for us and um, making his cups of tea, and just he just knows. I feel like 
when you've been with someone for so long and I mean I was I was 16 when I met him and um, when we first got together and then it was we had had a few symptoms at first but my symptoms sort of got worse as I got older mm. so I'd say yeah. from about I'd say solid about when I was 21 mm. I'd say that was when the, the everyday pain started and I remember it started as like a randomly I'd get a pulling vegan dull pain on the left mm. side of my stomach and I remember I'd look at the time and be like oh it's just because I'm doing period and then I found it would happen after my period and I'd find myself in my mind thinking having the thought of oh I could have endo that was always in the back of my mind but then I always used to almost gaslight myself and say nah I think I'd know I think I'd know yeah. what it was but that's how I knew I needed to continue pushing and I remember I spoke to Connor about it, my partner, and I said, I'm almost convinced to have endometriosis, like something's not right. He said, and straight away, like, so what do we do? Like, what happens next? Um, and I said, I'm going to speak to a doctor and just keep pushing this time. I was lucky enough to find, like, a really nice GP, and she's the one who I talked to about all endo-related things. Um, and then I was pushing from there, but even, I guess, it can be really hard for a partner to understand as well, because it's like they'll know you so well they know when you're in pain and stuff but again because you can't see it and stuff all they have to pick up on is like your energy your mm. body language and it's yeah. really so hard when you've got plans like say you've you've had these plans set in stone for like four mm. weeks and then you're so excited then the day comes and you just can't get out of bed yeah and yeah really really understanding with that and obviously not just the endo side but all the strong medication we have to take the awful side effects of them so sometimes it's like especially with the slow release morphine yeah. I don't know if anyone else gets this but you feel like it when it's in your system you know when it's sort of spiking again because I feel like I'll just be so zoned out and I'll catch myself doing it and sometimes you notice know, when I'm more quiet and you'll just know straight away as soon as I'm in pain and I think without that support what I feel like I'd struggle so much more than what I already am mm-hmm. and Obviously, I talk to my family about it as well, but I guess the person you're closest with, yeah. the person you live with, is that person who sees you at your worst. Yeah. So, I mean, even when, so Connor works long shifts, and I get anxiety when he goes on a night shift because if I, so for instance, it's such a long story, but with me having endo on my diaphragm, like I can be prone to a long flap. So within the full community, I only know four other people with the same kind of endo. So when you research, it's just still not enough information no. about that side of things. Um, so I've been like voice noting all these different girls and they were telling me their experience and it just got to a point where four months ago when it first happened, um, so when I was due to go in on his night shift on the night time, and I was getting these horrible twitching pains. It's like cramp, but almost mm. in my ribs. And I was getting shortness of breath. So I was having easement here like that. And, and that always happens around my period. So I was saying, I was trying to reassure myself, look, if something bad happens, just go to hospital. But then the thought of going to E&E, mm. like, it just made us feel sick. It made us feel like I needed a nervous poo. Like, that's how awful it was. Yeah. And... And then I spoke to Connor and he said, just see see how you are throughout the day. Um, and then we can go if need be. But I just 
put it off all day. And then as soon as he went into work, had a shower, I was sitting down eating tea and it literally got to midnight. And the pain was getting worse and I thought I'm going to have to go. But then the idea of going by yourself Mm. also yeah. like, oh, I'll come home, I'll come home. But I think when you're used to being like chronically ill and you think like sometimes you just think, you know what it is, I just, I want to do it by myself because chances are I'm going to go to Amy, sit there for seven plus hours yeah. just to be sent off you with like being really flat I already have. Yeah. Something less less strong. Um, but I remember I went and it was awful. Like you had said before, Grace, as soon as mm. you mentioned Endo, it's like you can almost see them mentally in their head putting you further down the yeah. priority list. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. Do you feel like... Situation. Sorry, what? Sorry, since COVID, like, have you got more used to going to, like, appointments and stuff on your own? Um, I'd say, I'd say probably, yeah, like, Connor will always take us, um, because I don't drive, um, Connor will always take us to the appointments. He always changes the route around with stuff as he can bless him. He's always like, I'll come in with you, I'll come in with you. And I honestly feel like it's made me stronger mentally in a way because my last surgery where I just sort of came out with the whole peak COVID. And it was when you had to go for a test right before your surgery. And I was told I wasn't allowed anybody in. And I had never had surgery before. I was so scared. And then he dropped us off and it was like, at that moment, I was still very headstrong. I didn't really feel scared or anything. And then it wasn't until I had my gown on, it made us feel really alone. Mm. Because that was when surgeons pulled the curtains around and they said, look, your doctor isn't in. So, and they started introducing themselves and I was so confused. And they said, we're going to be doing the surgery. It wasn't until that moment that I felt so alone. And obviously I was pushed down the theatre and I was still people were trying to talk to us and I was so quiet because I was still thinking like I don't know if I should do this mm-hmm. um, and also I didn't have yeah. my phone or anything then so I couldn't have texted him but like afterwards I feel like because of that full journey as horrible as it was in that moment I'm sort of grateful for it because there is times where like in certain hospitals and stuff I can't get to where I will have to go by myself and stuff and I just mm. feel like Knowing the support is there is great, but also, like, I guess being chronically ill, so much can get taken from you, and I don't really want my independence to be one of them. I just no. don't. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know you have that support there, like, as and when you need it, which is, like, an amazing feeling, but knowing that you still have that ability, I guess, to go by yourself if need be, I think that makes me feel a lot better, personally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. That's because I had my first surgery like ten days before we locked down, mm-hmm. and I know that my my sister had to have her um tonsil out a few months ago. My mum and my her boyfriend, anyone wasn't allowed in with her. Like that's still very strict, especially at the private hospital, which is more than likely where I'm going to end up having my surgery. So I feel like obviously my first surgery, I had my mum. Mm-hmm. Had surgery when I was younger, and I had both my parents. So I'm like. Mm-hmm how am I going to do this alone but like you said like I don't want to take away my independence and no. I do I so much on my own anyway like, I live on my own I spend every day on my own it's like why should one more day matter yeah I think yeah. with me like I always had my mum 
every appointment every blood test every injection because I'm a needle phobe and also purely because I just am a very anxious person in those situations like in general you're not going to enjoy going in for a blood test or anything I mean if you do enjoy it then fair enough but do you know what I mean um so my mum came with me to everything and then I had my second surgery my first surgery sorry I had my first surgery in 2021 and I couldn't have anyone in with me and I literally um was not happy about that and I literally remember I was just they put they put me in my room and I was just sat on the bed and I just cried for literally hours leading up to the surgery and I was like I don't know how I'm gonna do this and I was literally just having a panic attack and then the nurse I had like in private you have kind of like a nurse like one nurse that like is in charge of your case or whatever like more than more than one patient but she was like really looking after me and would come in and check like every hour and stuff so I kind of built up a relationship with her and because I do have like massive (laughs) separation anxiety I kind of put my like attachment onto her and was like okay I trust you I trust that you're like gonna keep me safe so that that you're in a vulnerable place yeah exactly that's kind of usual yeah that really eased my anxiety and like for example, I literally was walking down to the surgery room and she before she told me to take off like my underwear and then just put like um, a gown on top. And I did that and then I was walking, but I didn't take my knickers off because I was like, I still had a few hours. So I was like, I'm just going to keep them on for a bit. And then I went down, walked down to the, <laughs> I know where this is going. I walked down to the theatre and I was like, oh, I still have my knickers on. And she was like, and I was like, where do I put them? I don't know what to do. Like, I was literally like getting so stressed about it. She was like, just just give them to me. I was like, all right. And she literally just took my pants and like put them in her pocket and then put them back in the room for me. I was like, you absolute legend. That is such a care thing to yeah. do. Like that's such a, like the amount of time yeah. I put stuff in my pocket and then got like two hours later and thought, how the fuck is yeah. that? So the other day I did that and there was a freaking urine sample in my pocket. And I was like, who's in this? Is it mine? Um, but yeah, like that, that was, when I came out of it, I was all right. I got a bit anxious when they told me I had to stay because I hadn't been for a wee and I had to stay overnight. But I was like, it's fine. I'll be out here in the morning. Like I did cry for a bit. I didn't really sleep very well, but you know, it was fine. And then my second surgery rolled around. I, my mum literally walked as far into me, as far as, as far as she could into the room, room with me. And she, when they were checking us in, she said, oh, she like went to walk with me. And the lady was like, no, you can't go past here. And I was like, shit so I had to do it all over again on my own so I feel like now I'm at, point, surgery. I'm at the point where me like, and her mum had an ongoing text conversation when she yeah. had her surgery yeah we yeah. were me and we were texting all day she's yeah. like have you heard I don't know have you heard and we were literally our text conversation is one of my favorites because we were just talking the whole day which is like have you heard yet no <laughs> have you heard yet no oh she's alive <laughs> yeah so I literally like I mean I think the second time was worse because the first time it was just really calming obviously you pay for that so <laughs> it was like really calming and everyone was like really like not very stressed and I had like a good attachment to like the nurse that was helping me but this one was kind of like I had a new member of staff with me almost every 10 seconds and I was like who what am I doing do you know where I'm meant to be do you know where I'm going like it was really stressful but it was quite nice because the nurse that would be down to the theatre room she actually knew my mum from like when they were kids so it was quite nice because she was like kind of talking to me about how she knew my mum because she recognised my name so that was quite nice but then when I went into the the anaesthesia room 
they couldn't get the cannula in my hand and because I don't like needles that wasn't good for me so I literally just sat there in having a panic attack crying my eyes out um but yeah that kind of has traumatized me but I think like because I have now had two surgeries completely on my own which I never like I'd never thought I would do that but I think I'm a lot more confident now doing those things on my own like I'll go for a blood test on my own as much as I hate it (laughs) I'll I'll do things like that on my own because I've been through that and like you said Demi it gives you like a bit of you are grateful for those experiences because it does show you that you can do it like you are capable of being strong enough to get through it exactly and I just know that if that wasn't the case with COVID that day and if Connor came in with me when it inevitably gets to the point where he has to leave Mm. I feel like I just cry and I feel like all the emotions didn't hit me I was right there when I was assessing what was going on I just think if you go in with the mindset of I'm alone I'm just going to do it I'm just going to like think I'm not going to feel I'll feel everything after I mean Mm -hmm. I did feel everything after like yeah. when I had me like when I came home I feel like the wave of emotions you get after you die oh home, my god yeah about, no no, no it's I not. just remember crying in bed because I was in pain and it was the realization of oh god it hasn't worked and then Dr. Alex was saying you need to give yourself six months in total um for all of the healing to take place and then everyone was saying it's just because you've had obviously surgery that you're in pain just surgical pain I was like it's not this is my yeah. endo pain I know my own body yeah like it's it's just shit it's yeah like the like, wave of emotions yeah it's realizing this was the first surgery but oh god this is my life now yeah definitely um, yeah I'd like to hope in the future did you see that in the news article a couple of weeks ago I think it was about um sort of end all trial yeah what is it called <laughs> there's a really it's got a really long name um and it begins with a d um and it's it what do they they use it to treat children's immune disorders or something and they think that you, it can work again there was something on endo. facebook on the first of april so i took it with a pinch of salt because when it was facebook and two it was april fool's day so i didn't believe anything that i saw anywhere yeah. right I don't know if you've had a dirtle door. You had a dirtle door. Yeah, it's like on the Jurassic Prison where I am. Anyway, yeah, with the big someone, archway. Yeah, basically, someone put all their Facebook and Instagram that it collapsed. That was probably right? a lie. And the amount it? of uproar that was on the Somerset and Friends Facebook page, I don't know why I'm in, <laughs> was mental. And I was just like, can you not tell that's an April Fool's? Cray comes comes over. Cray's one of my best friends. Yesterday, he sits down and I'm like, you're right. We don't really talk about emotions anyway. He's like, I'm really sad. And I thought, oh my gosh. He goes, the doors collapsed. And I'm like, Craig, it's a fucking April Fool's idiot. And here's Jenny, been so sad for days. I love how we were talking we... about endo treatment. You're so random. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going gonna... <laughs> to. No, it just popped into. No, I, I was going through this. I saw on Facebook on April 1st. I wasn't actually going there with the Dirty Door, but it popped into my head. Anyway, but so I'm done, like, there's this new treatment that anyone with endo can get. Mostly me seeing that, I was like, Heck yeah, went on it and it had like this whole like paragraph thing. It was like a whole news article and at the bottom. It said, Ha ha, April Fools, but really pissed me off. Like, you're literally playing awful. with people's emotions. Oh my god, did I? Did I, did I, I might have saved it if I saved it. I'll send it to you guys later. Anyway, but honestly, I, um... it was this whole thing and I was reading it and it was like this magical like thing that can pure endo. And I thought, <laughs> This is what I need. 
scroll down. It's like scroll down to read more information. It said, "Haha, April Fools." <laughs> when so I say weird. I threw my phone, I threw my fucking phone. Like, who was doing that? Who was playing with people's emotions? <laughs> I found um the article of that thing. It's called <laughs> Dichloroacetate. Yeah, <laughs> and in, uh, researchers in England and Scotland have been awarded £250,000 to research it and see if it's an effective treatment. Um, let me see what it, yeah, what it was. Well, they give it to so many women, don't they? And then yeah. like half of the women will get the placebo or Yeah, that's, yeah, so I think, what does it say? I think I just saw something. It's going to be over 12 weeks. Um, it will start recruiting in the autumn. Half of the women will be given the drug and the other half will be given a placebo. These will be allocated at random and taken for 12 weeks. Every woman will complete a series of questionnaires and give blood samples over the course of two and a half years. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I think, like, I was curious. My dad was like, you should, you should look into being on the clinical trial. And I was like, yeah, but... <laughs> even though that's really hard for it? yeah do I get paid for it and two there's probably like clauses in that as like you can't get pregnant you can't have surgery and what if I need surgery in the next two and a half years or what if I miraculously fall no. pregnant yeah I don't know yeah like it's, it's the most thought like I started thinking imagine if like even they just come up with even if it's not related to this like some sort of cure yeah I honestly don't know I can't, it's quite sad, but like I can't really imagine not being in pain anymore. So even I, thought, anymore, I don't really know what it feels like anymore. Like, it's just such a weird, no, bizarre feeling. It's, yeah, it's such a weird concept to like not have the symptoms anymore. Like it's, it feels really alien. Um, But this. I can't drug... imagine waking up and like not having any sort of symptom ever because yeah, you know. have some sort of symptom every day. I feel like we just wouldn't know how to like be live like do you know what I mean I feel like we'd be scared because it's like maybe I just feel okay because for a while like you never really trust that it's going to be a million percent working and like then I guess yeah. years go by and you're fine but it's just it's like a weird concept but um basically this drug used to treat rare oh sorry rare metabolic disorders in children when the endometriosis cells are treated with this drug um the size of endometriosis lesions were reduced. So that is interesting. Whether it will be like a treatment or like a cure, I guess we find out. It'll probably just be a treatment. Dino Jess, don't yeah, and I think from my experience with DinoGest, it didn't work, but I think that's because my surgery, they definitely missed some areas. I'm pretty sure they missed I'm pretty sure they missed all the areas because I don't feel any different after having the surgery. Um and they didn't look at my bowels, which is where all my symptoms are. So, you know. Um and that's one thing I'll push for my surgeries. I don't care if they don't look anything else as long as they look at my bladder. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Because my bladder symptoms are the worst. Like literally, it's very POI. But I keep pissing myself. And I can laugh about it, but it's not funny. No, yeah, it's annoying. But obviously, everyone thinks it's funny, including my sister and my brother-in-law. But I literally can't feel that I'm going for a wee, and I literally piss myself. And I'm like, I'm literally nearly 23 years old. And yeah. I'm you you have, like, your symptoms are so bladder-focused, aren't they? It's crazy. Like, and I actually have a UTI, you fl- like, every other Yeah, week. the minute you flare up, like, the minute your bladder just starts fucking up. The minute I flare, the minute I can't go for a wee. Yeah. 
So I either go with like intense like retention mm. and then have to like self pasteurize something or I literally will piss myself. Yeah. But I'm worried to go back to work because what about if I piss myself at work? Like <laughs> I can't blame that on one of my residents, can I? <laughs> oh yeah, Sally over there just pissed on me. <laughs> I mean I have to steal one of them pads or something. <laughs> yeah, you Is should. Very nappy or something. Get some tenor ladies. They're expensive. I looked into it the other day. I'm actually genuinely worried about pissing myself out in public. Yeah. Like earlier, I had to drive my car and go rescue my friend. She broke down. And I literally hadn't gone to the toilet or tried to go to the toilet before I left. And the whole time I was out, sat in the car, I just thought, I might piss myself right now. <laughs> and that would be a fun story to explain. Sorry, I've just pissed myself in your car. <laughs> I also get like um, issues where I have really bad retention and mm-hmm. I'll go have a wee. And it'll trickle out. Mm, like, I'll feel yeah. like an old man. I'll be bursting and it'll trickle. And I'll get, like, a pain in my stomach, like, in the centre and on the left yeah. side. And then I'll be back at the toilet, like, literally five minutes later. So yeah. I just feel like I cannot vent me. Mm. And I was the same with my last surgery. I don't believe the checks my bladder on my belt. Yeah. So. It's so annoying. I literally remember. If it's not endo on Grace's bowel, there's obviously something going on. So I don't know yeah. why if they did check it and say that there wasn't anything there, then they need to refer you to look at it. Yeah. Well, they literally. They literally. Going on there. Said, if it's not endo, there's something going on. So I, I literally said. On my bladder. Before. I literally said before I went in, I was like, I'm like, in all the appointments I saw her, when I, when I had the little mini consultation before she took me in for surgery, I literally said, my bowels where it's at pretty much like obviously my first surgery they found it very close to my bowel like really close to my bowel but not on my bowel and my first surgeon was very thorough but um obviously if they found endometriosis around my bowel and then a year later I'm like in pain around my bowels like that could suggest that it's grown onto my bowels or at least even closer to my bowels where it's affecting like I'm literally I'm literally in chronic constipation continuously so um I literally said literally said like (laughs) oh can you look at my bowels because that's where like majority of my symptoms are and she went it obviously she did my surgery but this is the thing like this is why I wanted a specialist because at least a specialist can actually look at your bowels without worrying that they could do damage because at least they know kind of how to be with other organs but the gynae doesn't like the gynae does the gynae like so she went in and she was like your bowel was just really distended so I couldn't really have a good look and it was like really swollen and I was like that's because I'm constipated all the time and there's obviously something wrong but she was like yeah basically she just said I couldn't really that's why I don't believe in one surgeon being present no a lap surgery especially no. endometriosis because it is a whole body yeah if a you've whole got body disease, diagnosed like... endometriosis and you're saying oh my symptoms are on my bowels or my symptoms are on my bladder or my symptoms are on my diaphragm or I find it hard to breathe like you should have the right surgeon there like there should be a gastroenterologist mm-hmm. or a colorectal surgeon in the surgery with me and the gynae or because if they're not going to give you a specialist they should give you someone else who can have yeah. a good look at them and a, a gastroenterologist who actually knows what endometriosis looks like because they might not know if they haven't seen it before or like a urologist or whatever like they need to have like the correct people there if they've got a look around those organs and the guy needs scared like they don't want to damage it then they need to either be a specialist or the correct 
surgeon yeah. it's just like or refer you to the correct person after the surgery like I'm yeah, literally. the opposite of that like yeah I feel like growing up with a nurse mum sometimes I definitely have those traits and doing that my job myself I'm like mm, you're fine yeah so I'll literally get a symptom of a UTI and I'll be like mm, it'll pass yeah and it's like a week later and I'm yeah. mere sepsis so <laughs> but I I'm getting better at being like I've got a UTI I know I've got a UTI and my GP actually is actually quite good every time I'm like mm-hmm. I've got a UTI they don't even take a sample anymore because they know that I'm being serious yeah. but like I've asked so many times like can I have so I had an assessment to do on Judas this actually made me laugh went there went through the whole assessment told her that I had endo so she decided to do a scan just with a little ultrasound on my bladder you know like they do she went I can see you're in retention she goes but I can't see any endo so I don't think you have endo I'll write back to the guy and I was like no please don't write back to the guy <laughs> I say that no but it's just one of those things yeah I love my life <laughs> anyway so end it off I'm going to ask Demi one thing. Mm-hmm. thing. Um, what's one thing you would tell to anybody that's like going through like the diagnosis of endo or has endo or is like struggling with endo, that sort of line? Yeah, like advice <laughs> you'd give them. Yeah, that's the word. Um, I guess, well, it would be different. I think if you're in the stages of still fighting for a diagnosis and stuff, mm-hmm. just to like really keep fighting. And I want to just like really... I guess simple but I think it can be really easy to doubt yourself so mm-hmm. even though I had my whole feeling of knowing I had endo the amount of doctors I've seen the amount of scans I had where showed nothing like the amount of A&E visits I had where doctors were just gaslighting I did have a little pinch of doubt and as soon as you realize you've got that doubt you just got to squash it straight and I think I think like that's a big thing I think like I especially I remember them kept saying oh you're just anxious it's just in your head you're just anxious you're just stressing out all the time like you know you just need to chill out I think after like I kept fighting and going back and forth and back and forth I actually had this like a day where I sat there and I was like am I actually crazy like am I actually making this up yeah Yeah. I think me and you said to each other so often do we have Munchausen's it makes you feel yeah like there is nothing wrong with you and it does make you it does does drive you insane yeah yeah it does and then you almost feel like a hypochondriac as well like Mm. after my Mm -hmm. surgery knowing something wasn't right not just knowing there was endo still in there but obviously all the symptoms of fibromyalgia and the diagnosis process of that and i just feel like it, it can be quite easy to doubt yourself when you've got no one medically on your mm-hmm. side. Yeah. And yeah. It wasn't until when I had went back and forth for ages, it was that one time when I spoke to, it was just that doctor that pushed me over the edge completely. Yeah. yeah. And that was when I knew something was wrong. And I had a cyst, but I didn't know that I actually had an endometrioma at the time. And I spoke, I waited four hours for the specialist doctor. And as I was sitting with him, like, no lie, he was Googling stuff as I was sitting with him. And I was asking him, like, could you tell us what's going on? Like, he was just saying, he was very yes, no, he wasn't in depth. And then I just said to him, like, he said, what's wrong then? I said, well, I'm pretty sure I have endometriosis. Mm. I feel like I might, might have a cyst. And he just said, you would know better if you had a cyst. You'd be doubled over in pain. And I just looked at him and I said, well, Everyone why Everyone says that. Oh, my God. That's so but annoying. also, I think people forget we're so good at masking. Yeah. Like, we are yeah, so good exactly. at masking. 
think he was using the bloody like um the scale of one to ten, like what's your pain now? And I said it's a solid nine. And yeah. he was like he looked at us after I was Googling, he just sort of like turned to us and he was like, Oh come on, are you sure? Ten is <laughs> in the highest. And I was like, What? Yeah. And then I said, um he said, Well, what we could do is we could try and get you to have an ultrasound. So I was really doubtful because obviously for me personally, ultrasounds are like the worst scan that yeah. show anything for me. Yeah, same. Also, so if it's an internal one, they are so painful. Internal yeah. ultrasounds are yeah, so awful. fucking painful. Yeah. absolutely horrible. But he had said, oh, okay, like I'll go check. He came back and he was like, so unfortunately we can't put you forward for like an urgent ultrasound. So I'll send you some, give you some codeine and then <laughs> just rest. And I was just like, and then that's when I had the pelvic MRI, like a month after that. And that's when I had found out I did have an endometrioma. Yeah. And like, it just, it makes you almost want to go back. Just yeah. Just like, walk in the one day, demand to see that doctor and just be like, well, I was wrong. Like, you're a shit doctor. Yeah. You're not a baby Yeah, doctor. you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be so easy. Yeah. It can be so easy, though, to like doubt yourself. So my advice would be, no matter where you are in your journey, like if you have any doubt in yourself of do I actually have endo or like, oh God, my symptoms are getting worse, I'm going to need more surgery or it's okay, I'll just get by. If you have any doubt, you just need to squash it because I feel as if the best thing that came out of this whole experience for me and is still ongoing is like just resilience, like the ability to trust yourself. Like you've got the again put yourself in a position where if you just say like no one else has to live with this pain but me so if I decide to just not chase things up if I decide not to fight anymore then I'm giving up on myself and I will always have this pain mm-hmm. so I just feel like that was the best thing I could have ever done yeah I think that advice was so good well yeah and I just want to second everything you said and just say that me and Grace adore you yeah um, we do and we you're honestly you. so strong <laughs> I mean, everyone's endo is a different scale, but yeah. I mean, from what you've sustained, from what we know about you, like just yeah. you, as a friend, it's just you're incredibly strong. Yeah, you are really strong, and and we can't wait to see life past surgery. I, we hope it does give you a bit of yeah, relief, definitely for definitely. a while, even if it's for a week. <laughs> yeah, even if it's a day. Like, <laughs> as long as you have a day, a pain-free day, I'm hoping that day is your wedding. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, like you de- you deserve it more than anybody else. So yeah, thank well, you for coming on in. It's funny you see that though, because I remember like when people would when I told them I had a surgery day, they'd be like, oh that's great, like hopefully get some relief. I would at the start when I first got my surgery day, I was like, yeah, hopefully I get a couple of years. And then as time progressed, I found myself saying, oh, hopefully I get a couple of months. Yeah, and I'm just like grasping. Yeah. Like, yeah. fucking good. An hour? <laughs> yeah. A couple of seconds. <laughs> I could have been paid free so I could enjoy a cup of tea without the pain. Like, yeah. All I want in life, in fact, is just like, let, I need some food shopping, let's go now. But like, you've got yeah. to think of so many other things. Like, can I've got to think, okay, when was the last time I took morphine? Can I drive? Yeah. yeah. Am I going to be able to walk around the shop and not clap? <laughs> Am I then going to be able to get home and pack the shopping away? And yeah. then am I going to have any energy left to cook the food that I've just bought? I mean, that's usually no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. There's so much to think about. It's like everyday tasks just take 10 times as long. Like even having a shower, I think, some days. I'm just like... Yeah. I'm... Yeah, it's literally... getting easy after to lie down after the shower. Because I have yeah. to do that, you know. Yeah. Like, I have 
when we got the bathroom done in about a year or so ago now, like I was like, we need a bath because like I love a bath and I always have like bath stuff in when I'm playing. We are bath stuff. Just got to the point though where like if Connor wasn't home, I couldn't get out of the bath properly myself, and it makes me feel so old. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We just get to the point where now when I'm showering, I'll I'll put off showering because I know I'm. Oh, I do the same. Me. Yeah. I'll just I'll just lie like in dressing gown on me towel after. Just like staring at the ceiling, like what the fuck is this life? <laughs> what are the <laughs> I've literally I've got like really bad anxiety at the moment. I don't know where it's come from, but I get really anxious. Obviously, I live alone, but I get really anxious for someone in the house, which ninety nine point nine percent of the time there isn't anybody else here. Like I'm here for myself. I mean, love pack can't freaking save me when I start from a child. You know what I mean? Even though he is Superman, but he can't he can't save me. You know, so I will have to like run my mum be like, "Mum, can you come over?" And she's like, "Yeah, why?" And I'm like, "I'm not shower." Yeah, and it's like I now get to the point where like, where if I'm at Grace's, I'm fine because Grace is there, but or I'll shower at my sister's or I'll shower at my mum's. But like, I'm like, why have I got this mental block? And it's definitely a mental block that I've mm. created myself, and I know I need to like work through that. Yeah. But even now, if my mum can't come, I'll leave my mum on Facetime in my room. Yeah, because I'm like, if I collapse in the shower, she's gonna hear it. But like, I should, yeah. I'm literally nearly 23 years old. I should not be yeah. worried about having a shower. But it generally scares me because what about if I'm in the shower and then I don't know my insides actually people out my vagina like they feel like they're gonna do it every day of my life <laughs> I, I birth my inside do you know what I mean honestly I was meant to have a hair wash about three days ago and I just kept putting off I had one this morning which is like not usual for me because normally I have it in the night so I can go right to sleep afterwards yeah but I did it this morning so I was like I literally can't go another day with this hair and the minute I got out of the shower I was literally like so dizzy and I literally just could not I could not live for about an hour. I had to literally lay flat and like wait for everything to just come back to life. The girl a I'm bit. talking to made the point of the day of like, you never have your hair down. And I'm, I, I, it's such a good excuse, like, oh, it's the gay me, you know, putting that up in a bath. But it's genuinely because I don't wash my hair for like a week yeah, and a half. Literally saying, yeah. But I can't tell that to her. Like, I'm meant to be impressing her. So I just <laughs> flew off with the gay me, it's just up in the bath all the time. And then I actually wash my hair. And she was like, oh, your hair looks really nice, darling. Which I went, don't get used to it. Like, we'll get it back up in a bun. And literally a day later, and it's back up in a bun. Like, <laughs> it just hides the grief. Yeah. Fry an egg on it sometimes. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for yeah, listening. Thank you. And thank you again, Demi, for coming on. We've loved having you. Um, you. We love you all, as usual. And we hope you enjoy this episode. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Felicia.